You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome into another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. Excited to dive right into the conversation with Emily today. This was an exceptionally good one, in my opinion. It was it was just a great topic. It was something that is so timely and, and so uh, important in our culture. And really, we talk about the idea of the uh, of how to coexist or, you know, that you, you, we've all seen that bumper sticker coexist. And um, I, I talked about in the episode how uh, there was a ministry that I'm aware of that makes a bumper sticker called Contradict because not all world religions can be true. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And there's a really instructive exercise that I go through with Emily in this episode that I think will help you if you've ever struggled with the question or if you know someone who's ever struggled with the question of how do I know out of all these world religions, how could I possibly ever hope to know that Christianity is the true uh, religion, is, is the true worldview, is the way the world really, really is? So we dive into that topic and some others here in this episode of the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to let Emily take it away. When I was in college, I was a communication major and uh, I loved it and definitely was my cup of tea, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but that was really where the which I've always had doubt, but it was really where it solidified it right. major. Um, so I wasn't getting a lot of answers about my own personal quote religion, but I was getting a whole lot of answers about other people's religion because in communication, you you study so much about other cultures and other religions, which I think is a wonderful thing. Mm. So you can learn to communicate with them, right? I mean, key yeah. for right. understanding who mm. you're communicating. I never thought about that. When I think of communications, I think about learning how to be a radio broadcaster or something. Right? I don't, you know, I don't really well, think about. Yeah, it's interesting. They they cover they cover the basis. Let me tell you. Uh -huh. um, and so you learn a lot about uh, gender. Um, sexuality, you learn a lot about, um, cultures, religion, politics, all of that stuff. And, you know, things to avoid what not to talk about, especially when it comes to politics with people. But, but we, we studied a lot about religion and there's, there's one class, um, that sticks out the most to me was when, um, the professor who was my, my favorite professor, he had invited, um, multiple, uh, uh, individuals who represented a different belief uh, when it came to their religion. I don't remember them exactly, but um, I know one was uh, Jewish. Um, I mean, there was an array of them. There was probably six of them. And yeah. it was really cool because they sat around the room and, you know, they shared a little bit about who they were and what they believed. And then, um, you know, we, we could ask questions. But then the weird thing was, was there, there wasn't a Christian represented and it was almost like a slight attack on Christianity because it <laughs> was, it kind of came around to, you know, um, how Christians aren't very accepting, but all of these people are and so on and so forth. But that's not really the reason I struggled. The reason I struggled is because I was learning all about these different religions um, and how, how they, they have such a strong belief system. Right. And, yeah. and, but it's theirs and it's completely different than mine. Mine is, it really comes down to believing that the Lord, believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, understanding that you're a sinner and asking the Lord to come into your heart. 
if you don't have that, you don't have anything. But you have hundreds of religions in which they are completely different and full on 100% believe in that, just like I believe in mine. Yeah. And it became a real struggle because I got to the point I was convinced religion is made up. Religion is a way to control humanity is to control chaos because mm-hmm. we as human beings, <laughs> we don't have it. We don't have it all together and we don't, but this whole idea of religion is made up to control chaos. Yeah. Um, even though religion is a, a big reason for uh, war um, and yeah. that kind of thing. So it definitely creates chaos as well, but, um, but it's to control chaos is to give everyone a sense of peace to help them not be um, afraid of death and so on and so forth. So I really struggled. And so my question has always been, you know, people push coexist, but that's a joke to me because how do you truly believe in your religion? If you also believe in coexisting. So you're saying that all of us are just, you know, we're being pacified with the idea of, Oh, well I'm, I'm fine because I believe in what I believe and I believe in this way. So I'm going to go to this heaven or I'm going to be reincarnated or I'm going to this or I'm going to that. And then I, as a Christian, I'm going to go to heaven. So it doesn't all, we cannot coexist. We can coexist by loving each other. Yes. Sure. But, but I didn't, but the idea of coexisting where all the religions are okay and all this stuff, it it can't be. It's not that they're not okay. They're not bad people. I'm not a bad person. We're all sinners, but there's no way we can fully coexist and religion actually means something. Right. So that was my big question. Yeah. How does it mean anything if we all coexist and how do I know my religion is the right religion? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So um, that is a really interesting, like, I, I mean, you, so you're answering it in a sense, the right way, like from a Christian perspective, you already see the problem with, with this, which is good. Um, but so many people don't, and maybe in high, maybe in when you were in college, you didn't like maybe looking back now, you see it, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I'm like, I don't know where you were at necessarily when you were there, but since it was part of your struggle, I'm guessing, you know, again, this question, you weren't so clear about, about the fact that maybe, so let me back up. So, uh, you know, you see these bumper stickers coexist. That's where the whole, you know, that kind of movement, like, you know, the people put it on the back of their car and you, you know, automatically what kind of person that is like when you, when you see it and, and again, nothing against them, but you, you know, that there's a fly in the ointment, you know, that something's not right about that. And so there's a, um, one of the, the apologetics, uh, sort of ministries that I follow, they created a bumper sticker called contradict and below it, it says they can't all be true. And, and, and they're, they're getting at the exact point of this is, well, we can, again, like you said, we can coexist in the sense of loving each other, but they can't all be true. Each of these worldviews has things that would invalidate other worldviews. And so it all kind of just goes back to the whole thing that truth is not like ice cream. Right. Truth is objective. It is, it is real. It is, it, you know, it is outside of ourselves. Um, it is not like what flavor of ice cream do you like? It's just not that kind of thing. And so I, I appreciate when anyone is willing to call out that, that difference, you know, that there's, that there is no way for you to 
like coexist in the sense of never proselytizing, like never sharing your faith. Like that's what they want. They, they want you to just be comfortable, right? With everybody having their own faith and doing their own thing and for you not to, to share yours. Now, isn't it interesting? And again, like you, you said so many things here that there's like a hundred things I want to hit on. So I want to try to be concise, but it's like, isn't it interesting that in a class where multiple religions were represented, that Christianity wasn't represented, despite Christianity being by far the most well-represented religion numerically throughout history of all time. There is, there is no other religion that it even comes, I mean, comparatively close to the effect that Christianity has had. And it's, it's just how do you even have a religion class where Christianity isn't involved? And so that tells you automatically that there is a, a, a bias against having a Christian opinion, having a Christian voice. Now, what's unfortunate is that even when there is a Christian voice, a lot of times that Christian has not been prepared to deal with these sorts of struggles. You know, they haven't been prepared to interact in this sort of environment. And so it's kind of like throwing them to the wolves. And so this is why, you know, they a lot of kids leave the church when they go to college. But I would argue that the problem started way before they went to college. Going to college was just the excuse. They're finally out from under mommy and daddy's roof. And so now they can make some of these decisions more freely and more confidently. But the problem started a long time ago. The problem started when the parents never taught their kids how to answer challenges, how to interact with people from other faiths. And worse than that is those parents didn't teach it because they probably didn't know themselves. And so you have this really interesting, especially, and I hate to say it, but especially in fundamentalism, you have this thread of sort of anti-intellectualism. Like there is a rich history of Christian intellectualism, of, of Christians being, you know, like, like, like back in the day, the scholars were the pastors. If you wanted to know something, you went to the pastor, not because he was the religious authority, but because he was the scholar. He was the well-learned individual in the community. He knew his history. He knew even contemporary science and philosophy and things like that. And, and so we have, we have lost that in many ways, thread of Christian intellectualism, especially throughout the 20th century um, in the church. And fortunately, that is making a resurgence. I mean, it's coming back. I mean, it's now cool to have an apologetics podcast and talk about Bible things. Like, you know, like that's becoming cool. Like we're sitting here today because this is becoming cool and infiltrating more areas of, of the church. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it, it's great for things like this. And, and we, I'm, I'm seeing programs all the time popping up where kids are being trained. And some of them still leave, but I would argue that far less are leaving um, now that they are being trained and being prepared for how to deal with um, so many of these challenges. So, I mean, right, how do you, I mean, there, there's not really a way to overcome the anti-Christian bias in intellectualism other than promoting that Christians should be intellectuals, right? That's the only way it's going to happen is if good, solid Christian people go into the sciences Go into philosophy. Go into positions of political power. Um, 
it's kind of like, in one sense, I want to use the word infiltration, but it, it's just like, why as Christians are we biased against those things? I remember, I, and you again, we, we've talked about a little bit about how you grew up and about how I grew up. I remember I, I made a friend one time. I don't remember where. I think it was, he was like a, a guy visiting Sunday school or something. This is when I was growing up. And he told me that his dad was a scientist. Now, mind you, I was like, I was still in New Jersey. I didn't move from New Jersey to North Carolina until midway through my freshman year of high school. And this happened when I was far younger than that. So I don't know exactly what age, but far younger than that. So I didn't, you know, again, like I was really young. And even then, without knowing anything, um, I remember telling this kid that his dad was probably a sinner because he was a scientist. I told this kid that science is evil, that science is like, like, like sin. It's that he's probably like working for the devil. And I don't know where that comes from, but I, again, I went to Christian elementary school and, you know, they talk about creation stuff. And the irony is today, I love creation. I love science. I love talking about those things. Um, but I, the way that it was taught to me, science was, was the bad thing. Right. And so we, we, again, just growing up in that sort of context, like so many other Christians have, where they're taught that it's black and white and it's either science or God or whatever, versus learning how to integrate those two things into a wholesome worldview. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts, uh, uh, you know, about any of that, but but that's but that is the big struggle here. Like to get, I I, I do want to address your question also about how do you know which is the right religion? But it, it's it's just interesting the the anti Christian bias that is there in many of these institutions, and I think the only way we overcome it is by having more conversations like this and and encouraging more people to become more Christians to become intellectuals. Absolutely, and I and I. And I think that it's something that's overlooked whenever, like my parents, for example, who are Christian parents who raised me in a Christian home, um, who didn't provide me with the answers, you know, both of them, neither one of them came directly from a Christian home. You know, I, you know, my, my grandparents were saved, but like my grandpa yeah. wasn't saved after I was born. Um, and so, and I'm, and I'm almost positive my mom was the first one saved in, in her family in like at, in the sixth grade. So I mean, it's not like we've been prepared for this. Uh, but I feel like I'm more, through my college career, I was more prepared with other religions than I was with my own right. um, because of and, and it's and it, it is an attack. And I've been told before, you know, that that's proof right there. Like, what is it? And you've even said it like, what is it about this one man, this Jesus that's made such a huge impact mm-hmm. that don't you think it should be a, a huge red flag that, you know, everyone's against him? Right. You know, it's. They're whether they're scared or whatever. Right. Um, but no, I, I I wrote that down because it is my job. It's my job to prepare my children right. to grow up and be solid in their foundation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Love other people, respect other people, but be solid in what you believe and why you believe it. Um, so when someone does question you, if they do decide to go to a liberal arts college, that they're that they could sit in the same classroom setting as I do and out of love and respect, be able to share yeah. their Christian perspective and their Christian view. Um, and, and I think that's the reason why a lot of times Christianity can be attacked is because those that are outside of the Christian faith, 
you know, they see the bad things, those that give Christianity a bad reputation, yeah. those that are standing on the, the sidewalk, um, you know, screaming about how everyone's going to hell, um, yeah. those kind of things. So we just have a bad reputation. And so it's our job, my job to teach my children how to, to love, but be firm in their foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how to, how to engage and, and interact. I mean, that's the, you know, like, when you get, because you're going to be questioned about it. Like if you if you live with an outwardly Christian conviction at all, you're going to be questioned about it. And so, like, how awful to not be prepared for that. I mean, me, my personality type, I I don't go out looking for a fight. I don't even, most of the time. I don't even go out looking for a conversation. It's it's just not my personality type to find somebody. At, you know, to, to to start talking to somebody at the grocery store line at all, let alone about Jesus. You know, I'm putting my AirPods in and listening to a podcast. Like, don't even talk to me. We'll make eye contact if we absolutely have to. But beyond that, and so so uh, so a lot of people are actively looking for those. What I my problem is a lot of times those who are actively looking for those conversations are the ones who are untrained in how to handle objections. That's that's what I have found. And so I'm kind of like you know, part of my mission in life is to is to help tip the scales on, on that and to help educate those kind of people about how they can be. Um, educated to, to be able to answer some of those, some of those questions. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I feel like if we were more prepared, if we were trained, if we, if we ever even thought about this and, and people just say, you know, um, and I, I, I get it. This is a little bit of, uh, what one of my uh, sort of mentors calls a pastorism. Um, you know, what they, what they say is, is just share your story, just share your story. Okay. That's, Good advice. It is good advice to share your story. However, most gospel conversations that really get into things, at least in the world we're living in today, are going to go beyond just sharing your story. You're, they're going to have questions, and they're going to need answers. And, 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 and if there's a danger in just sharing your story, as it becomes relativistic again. Oh, this is my story. This is my truth. This is my journey to Jesus. And, and yes, yes, you are telling them in such a way that you're trying to, to get them to understand that it could be their journey as well, but it's still not being presented as though it is the objective truth. And again, I, I think about the apostle Paul in Acts 17. I mean, he's standing there with the philosophers of, of Greece and he's there in, at the Areopagus, and he's 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 talking to these educated people, and and he's not just sharing his story. He's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as an objectively true fact. He's talking about Yahweh, the 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 God of Israel, being the Creator God, the one true Creator God that rules over everything, who created everything. He's not made with hands, right? Like like. Paul was in this area where all of these statues were surrounding him of, of these God figures that that the Greeks had had created and, and dreamt up and, and literally made with hands. And, and Paul comes and saying, look, I serve the God who's who's not made with hands. In fact, you're so superstitious. You've got 
this I this altar over here to an unknown God, and he's the one that I'm going to declare to you today because you don't know who he is, but he's the one who created everything, and he, you didn't make him with your hands. And, and so he's talking like this thing is objectively really true and outside of just personal experience. And the problem is we live in a Greek, you know, metaphorically a Greek culture today. You know, we, we don't live in that, in that acts two culture where everybody, where you saw 3000 Jews come to Christ because they had the prior context, right? They were able to be spoken to using, you know, prophecy and using, you know, so they, they saw the fulfillment of these old Testament prophecies. And that is a big reason of, of why they came. Um, why they were converted, but they didn't need all this prior context. They didn't have all these other questions, whereas the Acts 17 culture, the Greek culture does. And maybe in the 50s and the you know 40s, 50s, maybe a little into the 60s, we had sort of that Acts 2 culture where at least everybody had a working knowledge of biblical I- ideas, and, and it was still the reigning moral in our country. But I would argue from the 70s, Till today, it's just been a steep decline into more of that Act 17 great culture, and we need to be able to um, prepare for it and to answer those those challenges. So, real quick, um, you know, one of those challenges is, and and you you alluded to this earlier, the whole idea of how do you know which which one? There are thousands of. I mean, even in India alone, they have what three hundred and thirty three million gods that are served just in. India. So it's like, how do you know? How could you possibly know uh, which which one of these is true? The big difference is, and I mean, there are a lot of, of, of different ways you can approach this, but the really big difference between many world religions, specifically Eastern religions, and then um, Western religions is this idea of inclusivism versus exclusivism. So most worldviews, again, especially Eastern religious worldviews, are um, inclusivist, which means basically it's relativistic religion. It's it's everybody's everybody's welcome. Everything is true in different ways. It's really weird how it all meshes together. There's no finite lines that are drawn between things. Um, you know, pantheism, panentheism, um, all these different. You know, again, many of the Hindu religions. There are like there's like one of uh, one Eastern religion that's. Um, monotheistic meaning you know one god but even that again they're, they're not they're not exclusivist religions there are really only three major world religions that are exclusivist um that is islam judaism and christianity the Jude. That the, these are called the Abrahamic faiths or the Abrahamic religions. So it's really interesting if you just make that distinction between inclusivist and exclusivist, you can pretty much level the playing field down because because we've already talked about if truth is real and it's not relative and something must be tr- only one of these world systems, only one of these worldview systems can be true, then we have some narrowing down to do, and we've already narrowed it down to the exclusivist religions, which are all Abrahamic faiths. They rely on the story of Israel, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity all find their origin back in Abraham. And so now all you have to do is make a determination between those, which of those exclusivist worldviews is true. 
Um, and, and that's where you would start looking into the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Again, when, when it comes to these things, it's, it, everything comes back to Jesus again. Remember, we talked about this. Um, most world religions either want to totally denigrate Jesus or they want to co-opt Jesus in, in, in some way. So Islam wants Jesus to be a good prophet, right? Judaism wants, um, Jesus to be a, a, you know, a, 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 a rabbi who, a first century rabbi who was a, you know, good moral teacher, but he was obviously wrong in his claim to be the Messiah, uh, according to a, you know, a Jewish perspective. So, so obviously Christianity is the only one who sees Jesus as deity, as part of the Godhead. Um, and, and so that's what it just boils down to is you're looking at evidence. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Right. That's the question. That's how you know if your worldview is true. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? If Jesus really rose from the dead based on the, the evidence that we have, um, then Christianity is true and everything else is false. And we know that because if Jesus is who he says he was and if he rose from the dead, then he is. Jesus once again made the claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So Christianity is the ultimate exclusivist religion. We, we have no, there are not multiple ways to God. There just aren't. There is one way to God and it's through the work of Christ on the cross. So that's kind of the mental exercise that, that at least that's one approach we could take to really boil it down, um, is to, is to approach it that way and make that distinction between inclusivist and exclusivist. And then just look at the work of Jesus. And and see, and and so this is where again it becomes uncomfortable for people because you know why isn't Christianity being represented in these classrooms? Well, when you deal with Christianity, you have to be able to make a distinction between loving somebody for who they are and approving of somebody or disapproving of somebody for what they do. That is a profound, and that is a, it's at the heart of this wokeism, of this critical theory, Marxist ideology. Um, sorry to throw words out at you there, but it's like it, it at the heart of that is a breaking down of this distinction. If you disapprove of somebody's actions, it is taken as a disapproval of their identity. And Christianity makes a distinction there. Christianity says all people are valuable and worth um, and have intrinsic worth because they're made in the image of God. And in Christ, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no male, there is no female. In Christ, all are brought together. And the fact of the matter is that Christianity makes some moral claims about the way life should be lived because God designed the world a certain way. And people don't like Frankly, this is just what it boils down to. People don't like to be told what to do in their bedroom. And again, th this is how they phrase that, you know, that they, why does they'll ask questions like this? Atheists will a lot of times. Why does Christianity, why does Jesus care what I'm doing in my bed? You know, that kind of thing. And again, it's, it's, you know, there are direct biblical statements about all this stuff. But again, Jesus, you know, God ordered the world a certain way when it was created, and Jesus uphold those, upheld those moral virtues and values, and the writers of the New Testament uphold those moral virtues and values. And so that's, that's 
I think why it's so underrepresented is because people are not willing to have that public conversation of, Hey, I I disapprove of what you're doing, but I still love you as a person. They don't like that. They want you to love them as a person and approve of what they're doing because in their mind, it's kind of the same thing. Um, so again, not, you know, I, I feel bad, like, you know, just projecting this on people. But again, this is throughout my study. This is what I've learned about people and about these different, you know, religions and, and, and the way that they, the way that they speak. Okay. I threw a lot at you. (laughs) Any thoughts or or, or questions there on all that? Um, yeah, I'm, I had to take you off mute. Sorry. My kids are being loud. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes. You're writing voraciously over there. Yeah. Right. And so like, that I can, I can relate to that very much. So when it comes to people, you know, they, they want to, you know, they expect, oh, you have to love me, treat me as an equal and stuff, but, but you also have to approve. Right. Yeah. And, and that whole disapproval is where, um, you know, uh, conflicts come into play and, and that kind of thing. But and another thing that, that really stuck out to me is, is the fact that as Christians, we have this moral way that we're living our lives and our, 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 our purpose, I guess people are always looking for a purpose and like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Right. And, and, and people want their purpose to be themselves. They they want it to be about them. Mm -hmm. What I can do to better my life, what I can do for more money, what I can do to make myself happier. So to, even for me, I have, I have these talents and I'm like, Lord, you gave me these talents. How can I use them for me really is my prayer for a long time. And but then when it comes down to it, what's a Christian's purpose? A Christian's purpose is to glorify the Lord. And people, especially in today's society, more so than ever, has a very difficult time wrapping their mind around that because oh, yeah. they are are convinced. And yes, it's a much easier way to live and a much, quote, happy in the moment type of way to live. But these are also the same people who are going down dark roads with, you know, riddled with anxiety or, or whatever the case may be. Yes. Because there's an empty place in their hearts. There's an empty place in their life because they don't know how to fulfill their purpose. Um, so I, I, I love it and I don't love that all in one because yeah. part of me is very much human who, who wants to live a life for me and my children and my family and all that. But it comes down to everything I do, I do because I'm here to worship the Lord and I'm here to, to glorify mm-hmm. him in some manner. So th- I think that's a very difficult thing because the opposite is pushed so hard. And again, not oh, to yeah. give a shameless plug, but you did. So I will in my book, just do the dishes. Yeah. I talk about this, like, in magazines and books and and everything that moms, Christian moms see, it's all about how to make you feel better. Yeah. What can we do to make your life easier? You know, uh, if that means coming home whenever your husband walks in the door and, you know, you just, all right, you've got them, go in your room, drink a White Claw. Yeah. While <laughs> let dad deal with it. You know, you're, you're not, you're not fulfilling your purpose. Obviously, we have moments in which we need to take a second. Yes, sure. But that's not what life is. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify the Lord. And I and I think yeah. that's such a hard thing to get through to people in today's society because that's what it comes down to. Okay, mm-hmm. I've gotten saved. Now, what do I do? Yeah. Well, you glorify the Lord. So yeah, that makes perfect sense of why people push so hard against it because they want not only do they want approval, but they want to live for themselves. Well, I think another element to that too, and this is, this is might be a little bit of a, a, a spoiler or a hint of something I think we're going to need to talk about in the future here is for a Christian, 
you're, you know, we hear the phrase, especially here in the South, we're living for another world, right? We're not living for this world. Jesus, and that, 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 that sentiment comes from direct statements of Jesus where he says things like, if you humble yourself and, and, and you know, you will be, other, the world's way is to exalt yourself. But Jesus says, if you humble yourself, you will be exalted, right? If you, if you live for this world now, you have your reward, if you live for the next world while you're here, then your reward is coming. And, and, and so his, 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 in the context of, that, of those statements, it's, it's very powerful because when you, when you say you have your reward, your, your reward in this world, think about how awful this world is. I mean, this, is a, this world has become corrupted. It's, it's, it's a corrupt place. And so we're living for the next world. The problem is, is that for so many Christians, their idea of the next world, and here we go, is this boring, floating around in the clouds, playing harps, singing at the feet of Jesus for 10,000 plus years, eternity, which scares the heck out of many people, myself included. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, that, that sucks. You know, it, yeah. it, it, you know, I mean, can we just thank you, Steve? Can we thank just be, you for saying that. Can we just be real? Like, I mean, yeah. I yes. mean, if that's your idea of of heaven, and again, I heaven is not the purpose of heaven is to be with God. Heaven is direct relation to God. But humans were we are human beings, but humans from the very minute we were placed on this planet were made to do. Humans don't just be Humans also do. A big part of being a human is doing. There is work to be done of some sort. And and in a context where there is no work and you're just being, for a human, that's like, does not compute. I don't even understand that. I, I don't even, that makes no sense. So I'm going to live for the now. And, and so I think so many Christians fall into that trap. I betcha. If, if we were to just have conversations with people, I bet you there would be scores of people who said that at least a, at least one very serious contributing factor to why they left the faith. If you were to talk to people who were once Christians and denounced their faith, I bet you there'd be scores of people who left because they have the wrong idea of heaven. They're scared to death about floating around in the clouds of the heart for eternity. And, and so I'm glad to report that that is not what the Bible teaches about heaven. And at some point, we're definitely going to have to get into that on this podcast. But I, I think, again, we, we, we need to wrap up, but uh, I've taken so much of your time already. But I, I think that if we had a more imaginative vision about what that next life that we're living for now is actually going to be like, it would actually help us look forward to it. It would help us strive for it. It would, it would help us, you know, I mean, again, we all, I think regardless, we're still going to want to have our, you know, I have my business here now. I have my family here now. You know, I don't have those things later. I have those now. And so I want to build and grow and, and pay attention to those things and nurture those things now. And I get that. And that is, and, and, and Jesus tells you to take care of your family and to love your family and, 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 and to be wise when it comes to business. I mean, there's, there, there, the Bible is not against you being in this world. It's just not. Um, but, but we must do everything. Yes. For the glory of God, but also because we are, we are made for a world in which we are together in 
frankly, in close quarters with God, still being a human being and being a human being who is doing and serving and learning and growing um, with God throughout eternity. And now that, personally, that excites me. I mean, there's really good, again, I don't want to get too far into this, but there's really good evidence to think that there will be, you know, People tend to think, oh, when I get to heaven, I'll just know everything. All those gospel songs that say the half that's not been told. We're not going to go to heaven and God's just going to do a knowledge download on us. At least that's not what I understand. We're not just going to like become omniscient when we get to heaven and like, oh, I see everything. Now. Like, I'm sure we're going to see some things more clearly. But there's going to be learning. There's going to be, I mean, how could you possibly ever know in an eternity about an infinite God? And so... I'm excited about that, the fact that I could keep learning, that I could keep growing, that I could keep serving people even through business and stuff in into eternity in a perfect sinless world. That sounds awesome to me. So living yes. for that, living for that is 100% different than living for your angel wings, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. And we have so much that we've learned in just like the past little bit on Sunday, like talking with Stuart. We have so oh, yeah. much to talk about with yeah. that that – that's going to be for a new podcast for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it gives you, it gives you even more purpose to do what you do because you know what you're doing it for. And when you realize what you're doing it for, isn't just for angel wings, you're doing it for like, we talked about like potential universe traveling, but we'll get to that. We'll get there. Um, We'll get there. Yes. It makes it it even more exciting. So I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah. 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 Me too. All right, so just like that, we are done with this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found that little exercise especially instructive on being able to actually figure out, you know, is Christianity the the true worldview? Um, And, of course, I think it is. And and it's always important for us to talk about and remember that when we talk about truth, we're not talking about, you know, what flavor of ice cream we like or or, or what, what, what kind of candy is our favorite. You know, those are subjective internal things. What we're talking about here is what's really true objectively out there apart from whoever it is believing it. And so I think that's very, very helpful. And hopefully you got some help from that. All right. God bless. Thank you again for being a listener to the Bible Nerd Podcast and we'll catch you next week.